Hey, good morning. There we go. It's good to see you today. Thanks, Allison and worship team. That was great. Sorry. It was, I, I, I have to look at the aisle, so it needs to be like, I need to be right in the middle for some reason. So you get it. And I'm not really that OCD if you've ever seen my car. Um, but that's a different story. Um, but I'm excited to bring the word. I'm just expectant, and I hope you are as well. And so just... Uh, Jesus, open our ears today to um, hear what you have for us and to just uh, grow from where we're at today to where you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was, at, I was thinking about cars. I don't know why I've um, been talking about cars, thinking about cars. It's really a fun age where our kids are at and especially our oldest son. And he is, um, it's really interesting because I'm not really a car guy. I mean, I have cars, you know what I mean, but you know, there's certain guys that are like, I'm a car guy, right? Any, any car guys out there? Yeah, I, those are the ones that I want to make friends with because they know how to work on cars, and uh, it's pretty good, and I'm grateful to have some good car guy friends that have worked on my cars in the past, but our son Daniel is really into cars right now, and Here's the thing about my son Daniel is God has some really big things for my son Daniel because his taste in cars is really expensive. I mean, it's like, hey, Dad, do you think I'll ever, do you think I'll ever own three Lamborghinis? I'm like, bro, he goes, Dad, why don't you buy a Tesla, you know, this and that? Or, hey, Dad, why you should buy a Bugatti? I'm like, who's boo? Boo what, right? You know, um, but he, he just loves um, cars, and it's so fun to see him. You know, I don't know what we're going to do with this passion. You know, he'll probably, you know, ride a bicycle or something. But, um, but I, was, I was reminiscing just about uh, this week, thinking about cars. And, um, you know, when I was, um, I'm getting ready to celebrate my 20-year high school reunion, which is really interesting and fun. And so we're, we're just thinking about that, and just my kids are always asking about high school. Parents, do any of your kids ever say, hey, what were you like in high school, right, anyone? And then you're like, you know, let's talk about the weather, um, <laughs> or anything besides what I was like. And I was in high school, I was a pretty good kid. Um, I didn't get into some real trouble, but... I, was a, I got into a lot of foolish trouble. You know, not any serious trouble, just stuff that, just normal 17-year-old boy stuff that you just do. Um, and stuff that I hope that my kids never ask me about because I don't like to have to lie to my kids. And so um, I just, I'm just going to pray that they never ask. Um, and, and I was thinking just about it, and I don't even know what, what brought it out, but I was pretty fortunate to drive some pretty cool cars in high school. You know, way cooler than what I drive now, um, unless you consider a, a gray minivan cool. Um, and you might. But I, I was pretty fortunate um, in high school. I got to drive um, two different Chevy Nova cars, like, like muscle cars, right? I had a 1966 Chevy 2. It was awesome. The only thing that it didn't have going for it is purple, but it was a cool purple, like, like a husky purple, right? Sorry, but for a guy, you know, so I had a 66, and it was cool. It was more of a looker. It had a little engine, a straight six in it, um, but the coolest one we had was a 1972 Nova, and it was really light, and it had a really 
really, really big engine in it. And it was a very responsible car for a teenage boy to have. Um, and I remember uh, through my, halfway through my junior in high school, my parents decided that we, and they're probably for good reason, they decided that their 17-year-old son didn't need a 1972 Nova anymore uh, for a various reason. I don't know if it had anything to do with the, the 350 um, or, or the V, whatever it was, but they just decided they were going to sell said Nova. And so it was kind of a bummer, but I had the other one, which was, you know, probably looked nicer anyways, and so it, it was all right. And I remember being, um, it was in the fall of my junior year, and the car had been sold, but we did not have to give the car back until Saturday morning. And so... It was Friday night, and you know, I was 17. My parents were really generous with my time. I had a job, and so we just kind of, on Fridays, I got to do whatever I, in, in reason, wanted to do, especially if I didn't get, you know, we didn't get caught. Um, <laughs> but we were pretty good. And so the night, Friday night, before we had to give the car to this family that had already given a deposit down, those types of things, we decided, you know, this family is going to turn this car into a drag car. They, their plans were to gut it and to really soup it up. And so we thought, you know what? They don't really care what shape the tires are in because they're going to put new tires on it anyways. So we decided that night, wherever we went, we were going to drive it as fast and hard as we could without getting into an accident. And thank the Lord my parents aren't here this morning because they don't know this yet. Um, and, and, and they won't know because they're not here. Um, but we thought we're going to see how much rubber we can leave on the pavement all night. And so when we turned a corner, we just didn't turn a corner. We turned a corner with every squelch, with every ounce of smoke, when we stopped, we stopped fast, and when we went, we didn't really, uh, when the gr light turned green, we didn't really take off fast because we stood there for about 15 to 20 seconds losing rubber on the road before we would let it off, and then we would go fast. And so we had just a great night, and even after I dropped my friends off, it took me probably an hour to get home because I continued to go up and down streets. And, you know, it was, it was actually a lot of fun. Um, you know, and so, but the, the whole idea was we just thought we are just going to have a good time with this thing. And so my point this morning, you know, much like my, my story from high school, you know, we that night just burned rubber and we created a lot of noise and a lot of spark and a lot of smoke. Um, but I think, unfortunately, um, like my story, I think sometimes our spiritual walk can feel like that with the Lord, right? I'm not talking like, that's just fast. I'm talking, sometimes you feel like you're just spending a lot of energy, making a lot of smoke, spinning your wheels, and not really getting anywhere productive. Anyone ever been there before? Yeah? Well, the good news, well, I don't know if that's good news that I'm not alone. Right, Because I wish it was just me, right? But I think the reality is we all experience those times where we feel like we're just not getting anywhere. And here's the deal about being stuck in the mud or spinning your wheels is no one intentionally says, you know what, I'm just going to spin my wheels spiritually for a while because it sounds like fun. 
you know what, I'm just going to put myself in a situation in my spiritual life where I just get stuck because it's going to be a lot of fun. No, no one intentionally says I'm going to do that. And if you do, then I'll really pray for you, right? Because it's one of the worst feelings in the world when you feel like you are trying hard and you're not getting anywhere. You know, here we are as a church. We're in the middle of a series called Pursuit. And as it was said already this morning by Allison and Stephen before, I just hope that you're off to a great start with this fast. You know, fasting isn't one of those things that you're like, yeah, we're fasting. It's like, man, it is not fun to fast. But the rewards and the benefits in hearing God more clearly is worth it. Amen? So we're, we're in a series of pushing back the plate to see an increase in hunger and passion for God, his presence, and the things of his kingdom. And so here we are, I think we're on day eight officially, so a, a little over a third of the way there, um, which is pretty awesome. And how, how they said it earlier, if you were not here Thursday night for our pursuit night, listen, God forgives you, right? <laughs> There's forgiveness in his presence from him. But man, you got, and for me, but you got to get there because we just had a great time in his presence and just in hungering for him. And uh, we've, it's coming up 6.30. Be here for an hour. Um, you will benefit from it, I promise. Um, the title of my message today is, is More Than a Smoke Show. Right, and really this morning, I, I'm, I'm, we're doing this pursuit. And I think sometimes in our Christian life, it feels more like instead of a pursuit of God, more of like a fun run. Where it's like, have you ever done a fun run where there's like no goal to win? It's just like, hey, we're going to go run for fun. You know what? If you run for fun, I'm sorry. I will really pray for you. Right? But we're called to be in a pursuit of God. Where a pursuit speaks of something active, something um, deliberate, where we are going after somewhere on purpose. A fun run's just kind of lame. Right? Kind of lame if you think about it. Um, and so this morning, if you feel like you are, you're hungry, you're praying, you're going through the motions, but you're not getting anywhere that you had hoped, my prayer is that you're encouraged after today. Because I believe that God wants to encourage us. Because he wants his people to run after him without anything in the way, without anything hindering them, without anything distracting them. And the reality is, is sometimes in the world that we live in, in the busy lives that we lead, it is really hard to serve God distraction-free. Yeah. Right? I mean, ugh. And again, this isn't just, I wish I was alone in this. I wish I was the only one in this room saying, man, sometimes I feel stuck. Because I'd have all you to encourage me. But the thing is, I think we all get in times of that. Looking back through the history of the Bible and even heroes of the faith that I've admired, this isn't something new. Right? But we continue to talk about the ones who press through their weariness to get the promise that God had for them. I'm reminded of um, early on in the Bible in Deuteronomy when God was speaking to his people on two different counts. He, he said to his people things like, hey, you've been around this hill country long enough. Right? You've been going around the same mountain for too long. It's now time to turn north. 
Okay, that's out of Deuteronomy 2. Another scripture in Deuteronomy um, says, hey, you've, you've stayed long enough around this mountain. Turn and resume your journey. And I feel like this morning, God would say to you, if you feel like you've been kind of just making smoke, spinning your reels, God would say, it is time to turn and to continue the journey that I have for you. You know, and you think about this and, you know, think about, okay, I asked you, have you ever felt stuck? And I think that's, that's pretty humbling to admit, isn't it? Man, maybe I have been stuck in my walk with God. Maybe I have been stale. You know, um, maybe I'm not really running the race to win, but I'm kind of just here for the Kool-Aid and here for the snacks, right? Just here for the refreshments. I was reminded of a scripture in Galatians uh, chapter 5 and, and the Amplified, it says it this way. It says, you were running the race well. Right? We all want to run the race well. But it says, who has hindered you and prevented you from obeying my truth? This persuasion is not from him who called you to freedom in Christ. And it says, a little leaven a slight inclination to err or a few false teachers leavens the whole batch. It perverts the concept of the faith. It misleads the church. So Paul is talking to a church that once ran well, and he pretty much is saying, hey, what? Did you get a cramp? What happened to you? Because you were running so well. In other words, he's saying, hey, you're kind of spinning your wheels right now. What's up? You know, and that word hindered is actually a military word. Right? And you're like, hindered? Huh. So the word hindered actually has to do with military terms, and it means, has everything to do with where you're going, where you're trying to advance to. Um, it speaks of um, maybe your base, or it speaks of maybe supply lines, but a specific strategic location that you need to get to for the strategy of war that has been, that the road has been disabled, blocked, dug up, unable to access anymore. That's what the definition of hindered speaks to. It means the road where you want to go, you are now, for whatever reason, not able to proceed down that road. You are being hindered by something. So today I want to talk just briefly about four things that I believe if we look at these things today with the spirit of faith, it will cause us to no longer be hindered if you feel hindered in your Christian walk. It will cause you to run the race well without anything slowing you down. The first thing I want to talk about this morning is if you want to run well, if you want to pursue God, which I believe you wouldn't be here this morning, you wouldn't show up on Thursday night, you wouldn't give to the Lord if you didn't want to pursue Him. The first thing, if you are going to run well, is you need to forget what lies behind. Okay, very popular, probably the most popular passage of Scripture, besides John 3.16, baby, is Philippians 3. It says this, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Come on, many of you could recite that, could quote that. Okay, so it's pretty clear. We're supposed to forget 
what's behind. Well, here's the thing. Don't forget the wrong things. Because the scripture says forget, but my question this morning is, what are we called to forget? Because how many of you would love to forget every failure that you've made in your life? Oh man, if I could forget some of those failures, eight days a week, sign me up. How many of you would like to forget the regrets that you have in your life? Man, there's some regrets. Man, I wish I could forget some of those things. How about disappointment? Anyone want to forget disappointment? Man, I hate the feeling of disappointment. I remember growing up with my dad, if he said, I'm mad at you, I'd be like, get in line. (laughs) But if he said, I'm disappointed in you, it was like, no, no good. So what as Christians are we supposed to forget? Because we want to forget the failure. We want to forget those things. And here's the truth. The sure point is you can't allow what's gone on in your life to dictate what God wants to do in your future. I think we all know that, right? We can't continue to live um, based on our past failures, past mistakes, past regrets, um, the condemnation. Because the truth of the matter is you're never going to walk into what God has for you. But I don't think we're called to necessarily forget those things. Because here's what I know, some of my greatest growth as a husband, as a father, as a man, as a pastor has come from learning the lesson from some of my greatest failures, regrets, fears, and obstacles. And so if I just forget those things, then unfortunately, I'm probably not going to be any further ahead in my spiritual walk that God has for me. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not convinced that we're called to forget those things because I do believe that those things have shaped who we are. So I'd say, hey, don't, don't forget the past. Okay, people say, oh, forget the past. You know what? The past was a big part of shaping who I am today, right? And so I don't necessarily just want to forget those things, but I also do not want to be hindered by those things. Okay, I think that's what he's talking about when he says, forget what lies behind. He's saying, hey, do not be hindered by your failure. Do not be or limited by what's gone on in the past. Okay, there is a difference between hindered and limited. Okay, hindered speaks of what I just said. But how many of you know, I think a lot of times, we limit ourselves and we limit what God wants to do in our lives and in the future by what he's done in the past. Well, when I was 12, God moved in this way, so that's the only way God moves. Come on, how many of us are guilty of that? Oh, God wants, God wants to do this. Well, here's the one way that God's do it. Listen, do not limit God by your past experiences that you've had with God. Because I believe that God wants to ex- to give you a new experience and a new way of moving his kingdom through your life. So don't, be, don't forget the past, don't be hindered by the past, and don't be limited by the past. Listen, here's what I say about what the scripture says. It is coming from Paul, who Paul was educated, Paul was experienced, Paul was knowledgeable, Paul was capable, and Paul himself said, hey, those things that shape me, he was shaped by his knowledge, he was shaped by his reputation, he was shaped by his zeal 
for what he believed in. He said, hey, I am not going to be limited by those things because those things keep me from experiencing a new life in Christ. Those things keep me from my new identity that Christ has for me. Listen, Paul had his accomplishments, right? He had his law-keeping abilities. He had his zeal, his righteousness. But he takes all those things and says, hey, I am going to forget about those things because there is a greater prize and there is a greater revelation and there is a greater identity that I can have in Christ Jesus. Listen, when we let go of what we can do, when we let go of what we have, when we let go of what we desire, it releases us to experience what he has for us, what he desires for us, and what he can accomplish in us. Okay, number two. You want to run well this year. You want to pursue God. My question is, do you have, have, in, have squatters invaded your land? You're like, what, what do you mean? Have squatters invaded your land? Well, the definition of a squatter is this. It's one that settles on property without right, title, or payment of rent. Okay, well, what is our land? Your land represents your spiritual influence, your spiritual life, and your spiritual growth. So have squatters, those who enter your life without right, title, or payment, are they ruling your life? Ephesians 4 says it this way. It says, do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin. Okay, have you ever heard that scripture before? Uh, other uh, translations say, do not give the devil a foothold. Okay, have you heard that? The word foothold, if you look it up in the definition, biblical definition, it literally means, it's the word topos, and it means to give up ground and to give legal right to an inhibitant. You're giving something legal right. Well, what, 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 okay, what's a squatter spiritually? Well, the scripture says it. Okay, spiritually speaking, here's where squatters come. Squatters come in the form of unhealed hurt, in the form of unforgiveness, in the form of bitterness, in the form of a grudge. It's something that has happened to you in the past in relationship with yourself, God, or others that is now with you, and it, the Bible says that it will cause you to stumble and it will block anything growing in your life that God wants to grow. Listen, a lot of people cannot run the race and cannot pursue God because they have given rights to things like unforgiveness, bitterness, grudges, a place to legally hold them back. Listen, it might be a past spouse. It might be a past church. It might be a father. It might be a mother figure. Listen, it might be your inability to forgive yourself for something that you did. So have squatters invaded your land, okay? I'm going to leave you at that one. 
Have squatters invaded your land? Is there legal right given to those things that the only way to move past it is to deal with that unforgiveness? The third thing today in God's presence I want to encourage you, if you want to run after God with everything, then I want to encourage you to shed the unnecessary weight that is bogging you down. Okay, the weight. Where where are you going with this? Well, listen, I'm talking about the things in our life that we've just accepted as normal. Okay? I'm not talking about the big sin issues that we all don't want to talk about in church because it's like, okay... Talk about joy. No, not talking about those. It's okay. We can keep talking about joy. But I'm talking about the things in your life, the things in my life that I've accepted as normal that just caused me to run a little bit slower. Right? It might be an idea about God. Right? How many of you remember the show? Um, and I'm not talking about age. Right? Well, I'm just running slow because I'm older. Well, can I tell you some of my biggest Heroes of the faith today are in their 70s. So it's not about age. Right, Pastor Dave? Right, Pastor Tom? I think he's in the 70s. I don't know. Right, but it's not about age. Okay, so you can't say, well, I'm just slowing down. Well, no, because I believe that God has given us years of fruitfulness. And so so I'm excited, kind of excited for my 70s because I just can't wait to pursue God uh, when I'm an older man. So I'm not talking about that. How many remember the show years ago, uh, Biggest Loser? Remember that one? Yes. That was a pretty good show. That was actually, I don't watch a lot of TV. That was actually one where I was like, why am I watching this? But I I loved it. I just love everything about it. Um, Out of all the episodes, my favorite episode was um, one of the episodes when it was, um, they did it every year. It's not like one time, but like about three quarters of the way through the show, um, they were down to maybe a handful of of people left and they'd lost like a ton of weight at this point, like unrecognizable weight. They just looked different. And so they, they bring these contestants out, and I love it because there's always a competition, and I love competition, right? It ain't worth playing if you ain't going to win type of thing. And so they bring all these people out who had already lost a bunch of weight, and they, there's like an obstacle course, right? And so they're thinking like, yeah, I can do this. And then the, the kicker is they come back to them with like these sandbags, backpack sandbags that represent the amount of pounds that they have lost so far in the show. And so if it's 100 pounds, they strap 100 pounds of of weight on this person and they say, go for it, you know, go for it, right? And you do this and and they go through the process. Um, And the two two things were most common um, after they talked to the people. Number one that people would say is they could not believe that they used to be hindered by that much weight. They thought, there is no way I was, had this much extra weight on me. And isn't that the truth of the matter? Sometimes you get so used to the extra baggage and the extra weight that you're carrying that you can't even recognize it even though you're walking with it. Right? You don't even know. But then when you get to a place of freedom with Jesus and you look back and you say, I can't believe I used to walk with that. 
I can't believe I used to try to live a victorious life with that. So that was the first thing they said. The second thing that they would say is they couldn't believe how ineffective they were, how much it slowed them down. Because here you have these contestants that have new muscles, new strength, and they could barely get over those obstacles. They couldn't believe how much it slowed them down. And again, I believe that God wants to reveal things in us today that have slowed us down, whether we've known or haven't known. Hebrews 12 says it this way. says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who have by faith testified to the truth of God's faithfulness, we strip off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Then it says, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. So what is weight in your life? What is weight in my life? Okay, we know what sin is. Again, we're not talking about that right now. But weight may be expectations that you put on yourself. Weight may be expectations that others have put on you that God has not asked you to carry. Weight may be rules, may be a way of seeking God that's not biblical. It may be tradition. Weight may be the thing inside of you that has to please people in order to be happy with yourself. Right? That's what the Bible's talking about with weight. It's not necessarily sin, but it's just extra baggage that God hasn't called you to run with. Moving right along. This is probably the last one. You saved the best for last, right? But this is probably the one that I, that I am challenged with in my own heart as I look at my own pursuit of God. As many times I do not run at the pace that God has for me is because I have satisfied instead of living a life of faith to living a safe life. A safe life. You know, I love to read about heroes of the Bible. Anyone else like to do that? I love to read about them. I love to read about what they accomplished. I also love to read about past men of God that brought revival to their community and brought revival to their generation. Right? I love to read those old stories about those men of great faith. Here's what I recognize about some of them. I read stories like, well, Jesus, he spits in a guy's eye and the guy sees. Uh, men like, I, I don't even know who, it might have been Smith Wigglesworth, who literally had a healing meeting a guy with a goiter comes in, and God tells him, I want you to slap that goiter. <laughs> really? Hmm. Can you say lawsuit? <laughs> Maple Valley pastors sued because he slapped a goiter on a Sunday morning. I mean, can you imagine? Another evangelist preaching. People come, run into the altar. That is every pastor's dream. He says, go back to your seat. You're not ready to get right with God. Oh, really? I'd be like, come on, Jesus. 
Right, but you read these stories, and again, I am not endorsing these examples as God's way of doing it today in your life. Okay, I don't ever see myself slapping a goiter or spitting in your eye. <laughs> but the point and the principle is this Am I willing to do what God is asking me to do to live the life of faith that God has asked me to live? And I'm going to use wisdom. <laughs> but I'm used to living a safe life. Listen, there was one David, King David, a great man of God. There was one time God told him, I want you to attack the center of the army. And for that day, guess what? That was God's strategy. But how many of you know the next time they went to battle, God said, I want you to seek me again. David very easily could have said, well, I know what to do. It worked last time. But God said, no, I do not want you to go through the center. I want you to go around to the back, and that will give you victory. Right? So it's not about a method. It's not about a habit. It's not about a ritual. It's about listening to God's voice for your specific situation and responding in obedience to that thing. Here's what I know about those strategies. Those strategies go beyond asking God to give you a good day and to bless the food that you're about to eat. Amen. Right? Those strategies go beyond your daily routine and how you pursue God. Here's what I know, though. Often, the reason I don't pray those prayers is because I'm afraid that God is not going to show up and that I'm going to be left looking silly, stupid, and disappointed by Him. And so what do I do? I condition myself to pray Prayers that I can accomplish without God. Prayers that I can use with my own ability, my own giftedness, and my own determination. I want to encourage us today to start praying prayers and start believing God for only God moments. I'm saying the moments that have no other explanation other than God showed up. That really rely on God showing up. You know, the biblical definition of a miracle is an extraordinary event that releases supernatural strength to affirm the gospel in your life. Listen, miracles were meant for people to say, this God is real. Supernatural event that releases supernatural strength to affirm the good news of the gospel. So today, on this day in January, the 12th, I believe, what only God answers are you praying for in your life? What only God answers are you believing for in your marriage? And what only God answers are you believing for in your family and in your church? One of my favorite stories is in Mark. And it's a story about blind Bartimaeus, right? And I, I, I might have said this a little bit on Thursday um, and probably a hundred times in my head this week. I've thought about it. 
But there's a story of this beggar in Mark 10. Um, I think I have the scripture up there, but um, blind Bartimaeus was a, a blind man. He was a beggar. Um, Jesus and his disciples, it says, then they came to Jericho. As he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a crowd gathered, because that's what they did. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. The Amplified says, as was his custom. That's what he did on a daily basis. Uh, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus, son of Nazareth, was there, he begins to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, Messiah, have mercy on me. So, so he starts crying out. Um, then, uh, would you, next slide, please. Goes on. It says, many sternly rebuked him, telling him to be still, be quiet. But he kept on shouting all the more. Son of David, Messiah, have mercy on me. And probably a lot louder. And he says, Jesus said to him this. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, telling him, take courage, get up. Jesus is calling for you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up and came to Jesus. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, my master, let me regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your faith which is confident trust in my power has made you well. Immediately, his sight was restored and he began to follow Jesus down the road. Man, what was it about blind Bartimaeus? Right? The, the line that says, your faith has healed you. What is it? What is it about that? Your faith has healed you. Listen, your faith is the difference maker in having a full-out pursuit with God and just a fun run with God. Listen, your faith has healed you. Worship team, would you come up? I, I just want to respond. We're going to sing. But blind Bartimaeus was healed because of his faith. Listen, there is a language, there is a behavior, and there is an action of faith that God wants to cultivate in your life. There is a faith that has to leave the bondage that has held you for so many years in order to get your healing. I'm not going to tell you what that is this morning, right? I'm not, I don't know, but you know. But here's what I know, that there is an action of faith. Would you stand up with me this morning? And you guys can just play. It'd be great. But there is an action of faith. And I was just praying about it. And last night I, I was like, God, what? There's so, I've heard so many scriptures and so many sermons on faith. And, and I feel like God said that faith is like, is, he brought me to a picture of an ocean, which is weird. I'm not really a picture guy. And, you know, I was thinking about Maybe it's with the crazy weather we're having. I don't know. Maybe it was, you know, from fasting or I don't know what, what it was. But I got this picture of waves, right? And I was thinking about, you know, storms and tsunamis and all these crazy things. And, 
what brings the devastation in a tsunami is not that it was just like this one like killer wave that all the surfers would love to surf, right? But what brings the impact in a negative way with the tsunami, but what brings the impact is that it's wave after wave after wave after wave after wave. You get the point? It is the continuation in the constant wave after wave that eventually tsunami, that eventually we got floods, y'all. We got floods. Faith has an action. And it's not the one time, but it's the continuation of you going to the same place, sowing the seeds of faith. And in a moment's notice, God showed up, right? Blind Bartimaeus cried out even more, right? Faith has an action. So what's your action today? Right, what is God, as we're talking about pursuit, more than a smoke show, more than just the lights, camera, action, and looking good, what is hindering you in your walk from running the race? What weights? Can you close your eyes? I just want to pray. I want to pray for two groups of people today. Number one, I want to pray for you if there's things in your life that you feel like are hindering you from being involved in an all-out pursuit of God, I want to pray for you today. And number two, I want to pray for those, if there's anyone in this room that has never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to pray for you today. And I don't know in this room where we're all at. And so just today, as we're in God's presence, if you have not begun a relationship with Jesus and you want to today start a relationship with Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand so I can see and pray for you. And again, I I don't know where our, our faith is this morning. Awesome. Thank you. Also, I want to pray for us as we are in this pursuit. And so if that's you and you're just saying, hey, I just... I want to run after God, and I feel like there's things that have hindered me, whether it's things of the past, you've got unforgiveness in your heart, there's weights that are, right, whatever it is that I talked about, can we just stand open before God this morning? I'm not going to ask for an emotional response, I'm not going to ask, but I'm going to ask that you open your heart to what God wants to do in you. If you need to lift your hands, whatever you need to do, but God, all over this room, you see our heart, the posture of our hearts. You know the condition of our lives. You know the condition of our walk. Father, you know that our desire is to run the race in a way to get the prize. None of us want to be ones who are spinning our wheels, who are stuck in the mud. But Father, at times we are. And God, I thank you for revealing these, these things today to us. Father, for the, for the various things that we talked about. And God, I ask that by your spirit that you meet us this morning. By your spirit that you would do what only you can do and bring encouragement and bring clarity and bring freedom and bring um, just your presence into our life. Father, I pray for all of us. Father, that we would not live a safe level of faith anymore. Father, where we've stopped praying crazy prayers because we don't want to get disappointed, Father, I ask that you would forgive us. Father, that we would turn and that we would start walking in the way of faith that you've called us to walk.
Would you meet us today, Jesus? Father, we want to run the race. We want to run the race that you've set before us. In Jesus' name.